You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 103 of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm Mary, and I'm here with a solo episode for you today, all about how to run a successful event. There's a lot of reasons why people host events. You yourself have likely gone to an event or two in the past. And what I wanted to share today was a little bit more about how events can be helpful to your business and why you can or why you should have one. What I wanted to share with you today was how events can be helpful to your business and how you can use them in some of your upcoming marketing strategies. So let's dive right in. So the first question to ask yourself for an event is, why do you want to have one? Events can be helpful to announce a launch or doors opening to something that you're going to be selling. They can also be used for visibility or creating your own stage. So if you want to be out there more, um, my good friend Amanda Berlin says this often, if you're not on someone else's stage, you can also create your own stage. So events can be another way for you to do that and spread your message and get your voice out there. A third reason you could have an event is to give people a taste or a flavor of your content and then invite them to work together in a different way. So maybe that's via one-on-one work, coaching work, or group mastermind, whatever it may be. But having an event as your lead-in could be a way to then sell your other products and or services. Those are some reasons why you might want to have an event in the future. And then I do think there are a few important questions you should ask before you even start planning. So there's a lot that goes into planning, which I'll get into some of that later in this episode. We'll talk about some things not to forget, and I even have some more information on a, on a free download for you. But the first things that I think you should start with are more around why are you having the event, so knowing the purpose, and what do you want your attendees to walk away with? Do you want them to walk away with new information? Do you want them to walk away with connections? Do you want them to walk away with knowing more about who you are and what you offer? There's a lot of different structures you can also have for an event. So I think answering that ahead of time is a really important part of it. So let's get into what types of events you might want to have. A few that I've hosted in the past and that can be really helpful depending on what your main goal is. 
One type of event that could be helpful depending on your goal is to have a workshop. A workshop would be you teaching about a topic, attendees having time to work through the topic or solving a problem. It usually involves brainstorming in some way and sharing their findings. So I did a workshop a couple years ago that was around goals and strategy planning for the new year. So everyone got a packet and we kind of walked through the worksheets in terms of setting some expectations for themselves, what were their goals for the new year, how did they want to try to achieve those, and breaking them down in more detail. And we we walked through each portion of the worksheet and people had time to work on it on their own and then they had time to share their findings with the group afterwards. So workshop style can be, it's a little bit of working on your own and a little bit of sharing with others, which is a nice balance of giving people some space but also having them connect with other people. Another type of event you could have would be to have a speaker. So you're sharing knowledge on a topic. They're typically an expert in that subject area that would be helpful to your audience. Maybe your audience is struggling with something and they want to learn more about it. You could bring a speaker in. You could also be the speaker yourself. So if you're creating your own stage, you could be the person that's up there speaking about this area of expertise that you have. And then a third way that you could have a third format or structure that you could have for an event would be to host a panel. So a panel would be a group of people coming together on a specific topic. Um, I hosted a panel once. It was one of my very first events, actually, for the Transitions Collective. And it was a panel of mom entrepreneurs. So they were talking about work-life balance at being a mom and as a business owner. So I actually had four guest speakers, four panelists, and then I chose to be the monitor for it. I chose to be the moderator for it, um, which you can do yourself or you can have someone else be the moderator. So for a panel, there's a lot more moving pieces that go into it because you're obviously asking more than one person to speak, you're coordinating schedules, you're you know working with different personalities and styles, and you want there to be variety on the panel. So there's a lot that you could think through in terms of that. Um, I'm probably getting a little bit ahead on some of the details, but what I want to do do next is walk you through some of that. So in terms of planning, how far ahead should you plan for an event? I usually recommend at least one and a half to two months ahead of time. There's a lot that goes into actually coordinating and getting people together. And then also you need to leave time for for marketing so that you can actually get people to show up, especially if it's something that's in person. Online tends to have shorter notice, I've seen, but in-person events, people usually need to commit sooner. I'd say one and a half to two months is on the shorter end. I think for the panel that I did, it was, again, it was four panelists and myself. I had sponsors and I had some raffles and things and sold tickets. So I want to say I planned that one at least two and a half to three months in advance because I needed to get the date on the calendar for all the speakers, um, which again, the more the more people you're coordinating with, the more complexity there is. So you just want to give yourself enough time so that you have time to do everything thoroughly and in the right way. All right, so if you're not sure about what type of event to have, the way I would approach it is really think about your audience. Think about who you want to join. So if you have an audience already or Maybe you don't have an audience yet. I'll talk a little bit more about that too. But 
if you do, I'm assuming for right now that you already have an audience of some sort, whether it's people, you know, on social media or a local group, whatever you might have, and you want to host some type of event to tell them more about your services or share some more information with them. Think about what would be interesting to them. So a lot of people talk about your ideal customer avatar. I think the important thing there is to, yes, to know more about this person that you want to attract to your event. What things are they struggling with right now? What things have they, think about if they've asked you questions, if they've responded to your Instagram stories, if they've engaged with you somewhat in some way, responded to your newsletter, asking for more information, whatever way that might be, think about that in more detail because that can help you to determine what kind of event to do with them. Now, if you're really not sure or you're thinking, you know, Mary, I don't have an audience at all, so where do I even start? But, you know, I might love to do an event. I just don't know what to do or how to do it. Then I would take a step back and think about, you know, events that you've attended in the past and check and see, are there events that you could go to to learn more, to see how other events are run, to meet more people, maybe events that are targeted to your same customer avatar, like say you're you know, you really want to work with a specific type of person? Are there already events that attract that type of person that you could go to and learn more and and meet new people and hear what they're, you know, what they're struggling with or how to connect with them more? Those are just some ideas of how you could maybe, you know, generate that interest. If you already have your audience and you're like, okay, good, I'm going, I'm going to have an event. I know exactly what it's for and who I want to do it for. That's great. So think about then the planning that goes into it. So I've broken it down into a few sections. The first one is what are some of the pre-event items to consider? So things like are you having a free event or are you selling tickets? If you're making any kind of investment into the event, say you're you know buying food or you're paying speakers, renting a space because you don't have a a space to host it yourself and the event space charges, then you might want to think about at least covering your costs or charging something for the event. Um, because if you don't, you'll find yourself, you could find yourself really in the hole, you know, and, and having to pay a lot. Now, depends what you're selling or trying to get people to to take action on afterwards. So really, you just want to think about if you're, you know, how much you're planning to spend on this and making a budget around it and then considering okay, do you want to get some of that money back? Now, there are ways that you could save in terms of the space or the food or things like that. You could ask for sponsors. Are there other local businesses in your community? This is assuming that you're doing it. Of course, you're doing this event in person. That's what we're talking about here. Are there ways that you could sponsor with other people, share about them on social media, and maybe give them a few minutes of talking time at your event in exchange for the space or food. There are some some ways that you could do that. Now, I have never been someone that's super comfortable with asking people for other things, especially with sponsorships. Um, but I will say, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. <laughs> so get up some courage and put something together about how it can also help them, right? So you're not walking in there saying, okay, well, I want this and I want that and blah, blah, blah. No, you're walking in there saying, you know, this is what I can provide to you. This is how it can help. Um, would you be willing to do this for X, Y, Z, so on and so forth. So those are just some ideas. But really think about that and think about the budget before you get into rolling with all the other 
pieces of having an event because you don't want to you don't want to end up at the end of the day like what did I do here I put all this time in and I and I lost a bunch of money and I say part of that at least from from personal experience that I've hosted different types of events and some of them I didn't end up getting back what I put into it right so and again and I didn't have a clear enough plan. So I guess that's another reason why I'm explaining this to all of you as as a lesson and something that you could hopefully benefit from is that having the plan, knowing what you want to achieve at the event, understanding what you're willing to pay for it or not pay for um, all up front, even if it's not, you know, the shiny stuff and having an Instagram wall or whatever. I don't know if you're like into decorating and decor. Um, but having all that up front really will set the tone for everything else that you do after. So it's super, super important. Okay, so you've decided if you're going to have a paid event or if you will have the event for free. Another thing to look at then is what payment portal are you going to use? So whether actually whether it's free or paid, you should still have some type of ticketing service so that you can easily keep track of who registers, share with them a link, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I really like Eventbrite especially for free tickets because there's no fee if it's a free ticket it sends out reminders you can remind people at certain days and it's just an and it's an easy way for people to also add it to their calendar you can also use them for paid events just know that you will have to pay a processing fee to do that for some events after my first few events i moved to doing my paid events on my own website so you'll still have processing fees from companies like like Stripe or however you set up your payment portals, PayPal or or whatever else. Um, but you can have it directly on your website if you want to. If you're just starting out, I recommend just use a simple tool, use Eventbrite or something similar so that you don't have the extra work of trying to figure it out on your own site, especially if you're just testing around, you're, you're testing your first event or you're not sure if you're going to want to continue to do events it's easier to just use a different portal and just know that if you do sell tickets, a portion of the sales will go to the processing fees. Location and event space. Think about the size of the space you want, what type of event you're having. Is it a smaller, more intimate event? Is it a larger event that's that has, you know, more of a conference feel or a, a speaker with, you know, a larger audience? Think about the ambiance that you want the tone you want to set, all of those things. If you're having a, a workshop, it would be really important to have tables and chairs set up in a way that's conducive to people working together, either in groups or in a large circle. Um, so think about all of that before you approach any spaces that you might want to use as your event space. Um, think about the location. If you know your audience is in a certain part of town, if you can have the event closer to that area, then do that. Um, is there parking available? I happen to live in a city. There's not so much parking. So I think about, okay, what's what's a middle ground where people can walk or are there ways that people can take public transport? You don't have to serve them to the point that all they need to do is step out their front door. But it is good to think about these things because any little bit extra you can do to make it more appealing or make it easier for them I think the better your results will be because you have a you have a better chance of them saying yes and agreeing and saying, okay, yeah, I'll go to that. It's it's close by. Another thing to think about, think about the time of day. So with the Transitions Collective, 
The group is for moms. A lot of them have their own businesses. So when I first started doing meetups, I had them in the evening because I had my corporate job during the day. But then when I switched and left my corporate job and was doing was running Brief Transitions and the Transitions Collective full time, I actually switched to having meetups and events during the day because most of my audience, it was it was better for them actually to have it during the day because sometimes it's hard for moms to get out the door at night, especially if you're doing something after dinner time. You know, they're they're just not as likely to come at seven or seven thirty PM. It's been a long day, everyone's tired. It's not to say people don't come, but I get a better turnout with people during the day. So think a little bit about that too. The time of day, the type of person that you're expecting to come. Do they have are they working around a school schedule or a nine to five job or something else? And what could you do to make it easier? Again, you're not gonna please everybody, but it's a good thing to keep in mind to help the turnout work in your favor. Another thing to think about is food and drink. So depending on the time of day, whatever you decide and depending on the location, if they allow food or if you have to purchase the food through them, think about do you want to have food and drinks there? Um, I recommend at least drinks and maybe even some snacks. But my family, I'm from a family that's always feeding people. We have a Greek background, restaurants and diners in the family, all of that. And so I'm very used to food. So I usually end up having more food at events than than people even eat because I think like, oh, it's going to be two hours. I wouldn't want anyone to go hungry. So it's something else you can think about and just know and just plan if you're having food or drinks. Again, like I mentioned before, you could have sponsors. um, And so maybe you could do a trade, you know, give a couple of free tickets. If you're having paid tickets, give a couple of free, free tickets and maybe a chance for them to say something at the beginning or the end of the event in exchange for, you know, X number of drinks, whatever it might be. You can be creative when you propose things to people for sponsors. But think about that and and know if you need to arrange for that in your supplies and again with your budget. Okay, so for structured, for me, for events that I do, for structured events, I arrange for snacks and drinks depending on the type of, of event. When I do meetups where it's everyone more casually getting together, I choose locations where people can buy their own drinks or food or whatever they they might want to have. And in my case, when I say meetups, those are usually, they're very casual, so then they're also free. So people just kind of come and go as they please and they pay their own way. I do usually let people know though in my marketing materials, um, just something at the bottom that says like, if food will be served or not, you know, I usually say light refreshments, something like that. If they're paying for a ticket and they're and they're getting a meal out of it, I would definitely include that. You want to tell them some of these things up front so that they're aware of what they're getting into, especially if you're having the event over the time of day where there's usually a meal, like a either a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner. Okay, so let's talk about naming the event. So a few things to keep in mind when you're naming your event. So you're you're putting all these plans together. You're deciding what kind of event you're going to have and if it's going to be paid or free. And you have to put together some marketing materials to go with it and setting up your tickets and Eventbrite, all of those things. The name of your event should be easy to understand. Don't overcomplicate it with like big, fluffy, whatever kind of words. Let them know what it's going to be about. You don't want it to be too generic that they're going to say, okay, I don't even know what that means. And you want it to convey something about what they're going to walk away with. So earlier this year, I did an event and I called it How to Use Community 
to grow your business exponentially in 2020. It's very clear from that title, you know, it's a how-to, they're going to be learning something, and it's going to be about community. Think about that when you're naming it so people don't get confused about the topic. If you have ideas or certain terminologies that you see your avatar using a lot, think about those too, because anything that you, the more that you could make it relatable to them, the better. So when you're planning the event, a few other things that you might want to think about, depending on the type of event you have, you want to think about what additional materials you're going to need. So are you going to be, think about the event space, are you going to be posting signs to direct people where to go? If so, you're going to need materials for all of that. If you're having a worksheet, you usually have to make, if you're having a workshop, you usually have to make a worksheet or a workbook of some type for people to work through. If you're having a panel, something I do in advance to prepare is I have a call with the panelists, all the panelists together a few weeks before the event, letting them know more of the details, walking through the format of the event. I personally like to provide the panelists with some prearranged questions and then also take questions from the audience. So I give them those prearranged questions so they know ahead of time, talk to them about logistics, have them arrive early so you can get everyone set up with microphones and whatever else you need and that other equipment. So also think about do you need microphones or speakers? Do you need a projector? It depends on what type of event you're running. All right, let's get into a little bit more of your planning of the marketing materials before we jump into what you need to do the day before the event. So creating a marketing plan or thinking about how you're going to advertise, where do you spend your time now? Where is your ideal customer avatar spending their time? You can post on social media, whichever platforms you use. Please post multiple times. (laughs) Just because someone sees it once does not mean that they actually saw it. They can see it many, many times and still not really see it. So post at different times of days, different times of the day on different platforms. You can ask friends to share. I usually give people the content ahead of time, graphics to go with it that I make in Canva and anything that you can do to make it easier for people to share. So a link to the Eventbrite page, a a graphic to go with it, whatever it might be. If you're running ads, you want to plan that in advance. Are you making special ads for this event that you're having and where are you going to be running those ads? Is it in your, and and what's your budget for it? Those are all some things to think about in terms of when you're really ready to put the event out there. You you want at least a couple of weeks to do all of that too. You, You want to be sharing the event for at least two to three weeks before the event so that it's out there, people get to know it because they might not, especially if you're selling tickets and depending on the price point, they're not necessarily just gonna see it one time and think, okay, I'm gonna sign up for that event now. So what strategies are you using? Are you, again, asking people to share? Are you doing Facebook Lives? Are you going in your Insta stories and telling people about it? Are you making posts? All of those things. So make sure you have a plan. And your plan can just be an Excel document. It can just be a list of the things you're gonna do. Like for me, for my launch plans, I have the days of the week, like the actual dates going across the top. And down the left-hand side of the spreadsheet, I have my different social platforms. And then what I do is I just write in the grid. So on this Tuesday for Instagram, I'm posting this. And I just fill in the grid so that I can all I can see it all in one place. What are all the different marketing efforts that I'm doing to communicate whatever it is that I'm launching or planning for? 
That's just one way to do it. There's lots of ways to do it. Don't overcomplicate it. Just put something together so you have a plan so that you don't think later, oh, no one came and I don't know why, and but you didn't actually really advertise it. Okay, so event day is quickly approaching what to do next. So the day before, I usually start either the day before or even a couple days before, depending if I need to print worksheets and gather other supplies. But I start a bag of stuff <laughs> that's for the event. I put it, you know, in my apartment. Last time my husband was like, what's all this stuff? I'm like, don't touch any of that. That is for the event. <laughs> so he's like, okay. And he backs away. But um, I put all kinds of things in there. So I always take, it's going to sound silly, but it's better to be prepared because I've I think I've basically always used these supplies. I always put um, like Sharpie markers and tape and scissors and Post-its in the bag, um, a pack of pens because not everyone brings a pen, especially if you're doing a workshop of some kind. Um, so anyway, I gather all those supplies. If I'm having snacks, I have a whole bunch of stuff that I take each time for snacks, like my platters and napkins and, and stuff like that. Just start collecting all of that and have a checklist the day before of the things that you that you're wanting to put in there and again I I mentioned before but there will be a checklist in the show notes for this that gives you some ideas and a starting point of what you need to do to plan in advance and what you can do the day before on event day so on and so forth so start putting all of that aside and then and then on event day all of that will be ready for you you'll be ready to go so event day my number one rule on event day always is do not plan to do anything else on event day except the event. Don't take calls, don't plan meetings, don't plan coffees, like nothing. Doctor's appointments, nothing. Don't do anything else on event day because if you do, you're going to be very frazzled and you want to show up at your event fresh and in a good space and really focused and dedicated to what you're doing there and what you're, you know, offering to all these people that are coming. So don't plan anything else. I'm sure, I mean, it happens to me every time, you'll think of something that day that you want to do related to the event, um, and then you'll have this, the space to do it. So don't plan on anything else. I am I am a super over planner, which is not so helpful because I, I try to cram in as much as I can all the time. It's not a good thing to do, and I've learned over time, just don't don't plan anything else. Just have yourself focused on your event. So you can gather all your stuff. It's already been set up ahead of time. Get to the venue early so that you can set everything up. And there are usually people that are that arrive like right on time or even a few minutes early. So you want to be set up even before they get there if you can. Um, if you're having, there's all kinds of little things you can think about too. If you're having name tags, um, if you're having a, a sign-in sheet, if you're taking photos, have a little waiver at the desk if you're planning to use those at the, at the check-in table or whatever, if you're planning to use those for other things. Lots of little things like that. Again, depending on what type of event you're having, I have some of that all in the download checklist. Okay, post-event. Oh, so then, wait, so then on event day, have a great event. Go with your high energy. Go with, you know, thinking about how you're helping the people that are coming, what you're in service to do for them and how you can help them. And something, if you are someone that gets nervous, I get nervous. Even I've had many events now and I still, a little part of me gets nervous. And I just try to think, I think about 
my why and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that really helps me to ground myself and center myself before I stand up and speak to everyone and and greet everyone and go through the event. So you'll figure out which things work for you. But I think connecting to the why for for me is extremely powerful because then I know that I'm here. I'm there really because I believe in connecting people. I believe in connecting all of these women with other business owners. We can learn so much from each other. Like that's, it's all so true and all such a core of what I do. So when I think about that, knowing that I'm walking into this event because I'm bringing all of these people together so that they can meet each other and share and collaborate. That is what it just lights me up and it helps me to not be nervous because at the end of the day, I know that's what it's for. Okay, so then we can talk about post-event. So post-event, I like to send a thank you note to attendees. Um, some events actually, I I had thank you notes. I had handwritten thank you notes written out in advance and I gave them out at the end of the event but you can also send an email thank you or a follow-up you know special newsletter or something just just to the attendees and if you are looking if it's your first whether or not it's your first event I really also recommend doing a feedback form or some type of survey Um, I prefer to do it at the event and have paper and pen and just have them you know go through a quick, you know, no more than five, six questions, have them answer it right there while it's fresh in their head, or send them a survey right away after with the thank you. And please, you know, take just a quick two minutes to fill out this survey. But you want to try to collect feedback so that you can know what worked well about the event, what didn't, what you can improve for next time. Um, Be very mindful of the types of questions that you ask. You want to make sure that they're things that would help you afterwards, like to be able to determine was this something like did this work or not so think about that for each question that you ask and I like to give people choices either choices or like a one through five ranking the more open-ended you make it the the less likely they are to fill it out I do always still put open-ended for what did you like about the event and what could we improve for next time sometimes I ask them what other topics they want to hear about but I will pre-fill a few suggestions based on what I think they might want to hear about and then I'll also leave a space for them to ask other things because in the moment I mean people don't always think of all the things and you just want to make it as easy for them as possible so giving them some choices and then it might trigger something else for them to know or something else for them to think about Um, so feedback forms are really helpful especially if if you're wanting to see if this is you know you're trying to judge should you do it again in the same way or try something different It could be really, really helpful. Just really be mindful about the types of questions you ask so that you can get feedback that's actually helpful to you. Okay. And then the other thing that I do post-event is I block off my calendar for the day after an event. So I don't do anything the day of the event except event-related running around if I need to. And I don't plan to do anything the day after because the day after I am just like a pile of mush. I'm, I'm just exhausted. I'm just recovering basically so it's a lot it uses a lot of my energy to do an event I love doing them but it uses a lot of energy so by now I know that the next day I need a day to just recover so I don't schedule calls or take meetings or plan to do any heavy work actually at all the next day I kind of just I I take the time to do my thank you if I haven't sent it already and relax and Depending on how I feel, if I want to do things later in the day, fine. But I I actually don't plan them out ahead of time. 
I really just let myself go with how I'm feeling in the moment, which if you know me, I don't usually do that other days. I'm usually always planning out my calendar. But in this case, I really, I block it off because it's just a lot. It's just a lot and you'll be tired afterwards and there will be like a high while you're at the event and like high energy and enthusiasm and all these things. And then like afterwards, like the adrenaline goes down and you just kind of crash. And so I find it better to to give yourself some space the next day. All right. So hopefully all of this was helpful and not overwhelming. Like I mentioned before, I made a checklist. So if you go in the show notes or if you go to thetransitionscollective.com slash resources, you'll be able to download the checklist. It's a lot of what I said here, but in an easier like an easy to digest way of reminder, like literally checklists for what you're thinking about doing for your event, pre-event, during the event, post-event, and, you know, feel free to use it and make it your own. Add things, change change things, whatever you want to do, but there's no reason to start totally from scratch. Don't do that. If you're listening to this, you don't need to start from scratch, so take the checklist and make your own ideas from it. You can Put the steps that you want into whatever project management tool you use. Maybe you use Trello or Asana or something else. You can list whichever topics you think from the checklist make sense for you and put them into your tool and build on it from there. The world is your oyster. No, I don't know. So just use it however it's helpful for you. And I want to know in the HQ, so come to the HQ, hang out with us if you're not already in there. Have you done events and what are some learnings that you've had from them? If you haven't done an event yet, let me know what's stopping you. So I love connecting with people. I love talking about all this stuff. Events are near and dear to my heart because it's just a great way to connect with people in such a more intimate way. And they're just always, for me, they're always so fun. So I'd love to hear about your experiences with them. As always, please like and review this episode, share with a friend, Leave us all those nice little stars in whichever app you use to listen to podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.